Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Booksheet Live at Good Chat Comedy Club. Please put your hands together and welcome to the stage your host for this afternoon's show. It's Dave Warnicky. <laughs> Hello, Brisbane. <laughs> welcome to Booksheet, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky. How are we feeling out there? We good? <laughs> Hell yeah. One of you is the most incredible wooers I've ever heard in my entire life. Let me hear you. Solo woo. Yeah. All right. You've passed the audition. Thank you so much. Oh, great. Thank you so much for coming out. I'll give you a round of applause if you've ever heard Book Cheat before. Fantastic. You didn't woo. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, maybe you're going to answer this question. Give me a round of applause or a woo if you've never heard this show before. Thank you so much for being here. I would have laughed so much if you'd never heard it. You're, you're, I'm so sorry. Hey, don't worry about it. I'm not thinking about it. Woo! Uh, hey, so how this show works, if you haven't heard it before, is uh, I've read the book so you don't have to. Each week I look at one of the classics and joining me to look at such a classic this week, could you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage my special guests, Aaron Gox and Matt Stewart. Yeah! <laughs> Goxie went through the wrong door, but that's okay. <laughs> I was starting to panic that you weren't coming out. It's comedy. <laughs> There's no right or wrong. It was funny. You wouldn't have thought there'd be a wrong door from over there to here, but there was. Somehow when, we somehow we got lost. Did you start walking that way? Yeah, it was a three-meter journey, but. <laughs> and I perform in this comedy club heaps. So yeah. <laughs> I've just never been through that door. <laughs> I've never been through that door before it's either. The first for everything. Bloody hell. Uh, Who's so well, the wooer, Dave? Pardon? Who's the wooer? Well, like, no, we're making them feel very self-conscious. But isn't that what? Uh, I mean, what a what a weird contradiction that is for someone to go to a public space, woo at the top of their lungs, and be like, "Oh, don't don't single me out. <laughs> I don't want to bring any attention you, to myself." You are not helping the self-conscious. Okay. Look, I love the woo. I want to make that clear. That's why I want to see him so I can give him a thumb up, thumbs up. It's up, it's over that way. Give the thumb there. Great wooing. Fantastic wooing work. Yeah. That's some of the best wooing I've heard. Honestly. You're, you're in a woo safe space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel free to woo. Huh? Not okay. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> now or whenever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. That is a powerful woo. One of the best I've ever heard. <laughs> wooing for books, you know? That's what we're here for yeah, today. Where really? are the book chooks at? Uh, Goxie, we call listeners of the show the book chooks. Oh, okay. And I am, <laughs> and I'm the book chook. Oh, does that so make sense? That's conf no, it doesn't really. Um, 
They're that, the book chooks and you're the book chook. Yeah, I know. I yeah, get yeah, it. okay, yeah. <laughs> um, how you guys been going? Uh, Matt, have you been reading anything lately? I've been watching the first quarter of the grand final. Um. <laughs> All right, we have to, for the people at home, we must uh, point out that it is the game day of the AFL grand final. Um, so, so sorry to anyone who wanted to watch that. Honestly, if you listen to a book podcast, did you want to watch that? <laughs> did you? But maybe you too, Matt and Goxy, wanted to watch it. Yeah, we're both Saints supporters. It's a bit so. prejudice of your day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fair bit of crossover in the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I bet, buddy, you know. <laughs> nah, there is. <laughs> Some one of them's written a book, haven't they? You could go. Yeah. yeah. They, they always have books about their careers coming out. I had I, I had a couple of books as a kid. I had uh, Kevin Bartlett's Big Book of Football. Um, I had yeah. the Encyclopedia of AFL Players. It just listed every player of all time. <laughs> oh yeah. Just uh, just a list. Yeah. I it's like a, like a phone book, but it was just <laughs> AFL player. <laughs> I had Glenn Manton's uh, Guide to Life book. And I live my life by that book wow. every day. A couple of... Ca- Are you, and Manton heads in? It's, it's like, what an obscure play to have what, a book. But what about the, uh, the kids one that you know wasn't written by them, but <laughs> they put their name on I it? I love those ones. Yeah. Sorry. I, sorry I, if I crushed anyone's dreams. <laughs> like, the player didn't write it. <laughs> Specky McGee. Yeah. Another classic. <laughs> well, I've been reading a book this week, but it isn't... A sport-based book. I'm so sorry. Ah. In fact, it's not even a book at all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I've been reading a book this week, um, it but is it's not a book yeah. at all. Oh. It is, in fact, a play. Ooh. Ooh. There's a playhead over there. Big p- b- fan of the plays. Ac- and ac- we call plays acoustic books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just read that then. I That's not so, a thing. I love it so much. We can make it a thing. I really think we should. I'm so glad you came clean, Goxie. Yeah. Yeah. People are about to go home and make fools of themselves. Yeah, sorry. So the, the book that or the play uh, that I've been reading this week, it is an Australian classic, ladies and gentlemen. It is Summer of the 17th Doll. Give me a round of applause if you've ever heard of that. A few of you? Fantastic. Yes, great. What Have you guys ever heard that of was, Did you notice the... Weird murmur that went through. Is yeah, oh, I can't believe he's doing some of the same thing. Doll. You don't have that out there. It's really hard to. T- it's very hard to tell if a murmur is positive or negative yeah, as well. Right. Yeah, are you happy about this? Thank you. You were murmuring. <laughs> have, have either you, you two on stage? Have you heard of Summer of the Seventeenth Doll? Uh, as long as there's no follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, ne- I've never heard of that. Okay, well, no follow-up questions. And I questions. think you mentioned it to I me know this Brian week. I Brian Adams, so. Summer of 69. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? It's kind of a play. It is, yeah. He got his <laughs> first real six-string. Yeah. Yeah. It was played until his fingers bled. He played a lot by Triple M. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so, Goxie, people... When he th- plays that unplugged, I call that an acoustic <laughs> song. <laughs> <laughs> It's a callback to the thing yeah, I said a minute thank ago. You. <laughs> now, I get people to suggest these, these books, and this one's been suggested by one person, that is Katie Stewart from Melbourne. Are you in tonight? Cousin Katie. <laughs> Any relation to Matt? Yeah, any relation to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope you'd know, but all right. <laughs> do you have any Katies in your family? No, I don't have a... You, do you have a Katie in your family? Yeah, but her last name isn't Stewart. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That'd be a weird... Yeah. Yeah, there's someone I'm going to tell you. I'm Goxie. a fan, Matt. Not that big of a fan. <laughs> Changing my last name to Stuart. I love Matt so much. <laughs> so we're talking about it's an Australian classic. It's Australia, one of Australia's most famous and influential plays. Yes, 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 yes. 
written heavily by, influenced my life. Uh, Almost as much as Glenn Manton's book. <laughs> You'll of course remember the playwright Matt Ray Winston. Is that I didn't someone? know his middle name, but it's uh, Ray Winston Lawler. There you go. Ray Winston Lawler. Uh, it was Lawler. first performed at the Union Theatre at the University of Melbourne in 1955. The Argus recorded it opens to a standing ovation. Oh, I had a close. Because that would be distracting. <laughs> at, to, for the very beginning of the show, yeah. to, you'd be like, guys, we've still got to do the thing here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're waiting for your first line. All right. <laughs> How long can they clap for? <laughs> uh, it was extremely influential. The Belvoir Theatre noted that before the 1950s, very little Australian work was produced on Australian stages and often a whole year would go by without a single work by an Australian reaching the commercial stage. So it wasn't common at the time. Uh, often referred to as just the doll. Pretty cool. But the mm. cool people like me. Uh, <laughs> the first production gave audiences unmistakably Australian characters in a familiar setting, speaking with their own accents and telling their own stories for the first time. So before that, people are doing pretty English and American plays. But this, this is Aussie as fuck, this play, wow. as you see. How many g'days are in it? <laughs> there's, there's honestly, quite a few. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're already well on, you're on the money there. After its success in Melbourne, the play toured to Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, Hobart and Brisbane, local Ooh. reference. <laughs> Was anyone there in 1956? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> What's the theatre district here called? Uh, was it Fortitude uh, Valley? Is that what the it's called? The Valley? QPAC. QPAC. Yes. It's, it's not so much a district, it's literally one building. <laughs> oh, Powerhouse has a little bit yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Don't you have a West Got End here? Yes, we do. It's <laughs> yeah. not a theatre thing, okay. I've been to a pub there, it's but... That, it's a, like, I guess, like, Newtown, Sydney, because people say, keep West End weird. Yeah. <laughs> but Hell there's yeah. a subway there, so it's not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, the general rule of thumb, if your suburb has a subway, it's not weird. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't expecting such anti-subway stuff yeah, early okay. on. No, it's more anti... Claiming that you're weird. Yeah, yeah. You can't have a big franchise if you're weird. Yeah, that's my rule. What if they like do some? They do their subs inside out or something. You know, the bread's on yeah. the middle. That's pretty. Maybe weird. they use the metric system. You know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Can I have a thirty centimeter on tip top?" <laughs> 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 That's pretty weird. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty weird. It's just a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> a 30 centimetre sandwich, that's amazing. Sorry for hijacking your show and turning it into sandwich talk. Honestly, I'm loving it. <laughs> uh, I just want to tell you that the play was so successful in the 50s that they had to start several plays that all toured at the same time. And um, it was reported that people drove hundreds of kilometres to see the play and a man swam a flooded river to see it in the Northern Territory. <laughs> Which is insane. I've got to get to the theatre. <laughs> Which is just insane. Uh, it's been revived many times over the years and adapted for radio and film. And the playwright, Ray Lawler, turned 100 last year. Wow. And at the time of recording, is still going strong at 101. Let's hear it for Ray. <laughs> what a guy. Wow. All right, let's no get in. No one's ever swam to my show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get into it. The, the entire play is set in a two-storey house in Carlton, an inner suburb 
in Melbourne, set in early December 1953. And uh, Coxie, I always start with the opening line to set the scene, give you a bit of Lawler mm-hmm. magic. And it's a, it's a line from a character called Bubba. Aussie ass. All right. Now, now everyone get ready. You've g- Traditionally, this starts with a standing ovation. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bubba's pacing the stage waiting. Here we go. Any second now. So I was the only one went to the wedding. Autumn it was, and the boys were away. Though, of course, when Olive rode up and told them, they sent some money down for a present. But I was the one who had to buy it and take it along. Olive wouldn't have anything to do with it. Wouldn't even help me pick anything out. And we're off. <laughs> Thank you. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? You feel that Aussie magic? I can't, I can't believe this, but I genuinely zoned out during that. <laughs> I, I did not take any of that in. What? I'm still not buying Bubba as an Aussie name. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba! To me, it's like Forrest Gump, isn't it? Like Southern America. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Right, well, okay. Coxie's not a fan of Bubba. We'll see who else we got. We've just met one of our main characters there, though. Bubba Ryan, the 22-year-old neighbour of the house wherein she lives over the back. Yes. Oh, yeah, Bubbas can be women, too. Jeez. And uh, she's speaking to Pearl Cunningham. What do you think of that? Happy with that? Happy with that. Happy with that. That's a fantastic name. She's uh, an early 40s widow wearing her good black outfit, her best theatre blacks. (laughs) She's trying to get all the goss she can out of young Bubba before some men arrive. And they speak about a woman called Nancy and her wedding that only Bubba went to. That's what she was talking about. She's the only one that went to Bubba's wedding. If you also zoned down. Uh, so oh, so the, there was a wedding with one in the crowd? <laughs> no. Of, of the people they know, Bubba was the only oh, one okay, that went. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, no, she That'd be a, that's a grim wedding. Yeah. <laughs> As a rule of thumb, you don't want more on the stage than there <laughs> yeah. are in the audience. <laughs> She's the best man, ring bearer, flower girl, doing it all. Uh, Pearl is intrigued by this Nancy character and her wedding because she, this Nancy, used to be part of the arrangement that Pearl is now waiting to try out. And you're wondering, what's this arrangement? Well, you see, at this house, every summer for the last 16 years, two men named Barney and Rue. <laughs> Aussie as. No, name an Aussie all. name. Emu, maybe. <laughs> Every summer for 16 years, Barney and Rue visit the house to spend their layoff periods in between cane cutting seasons. Queensland reference. <laughs> uh, they work for seven months cutting cane up in northern Queensland, and then they spend five months spending all their savings and partying and hooking up with the women in the house. That's the arrangement. Oh, yeah, okay. It's got an arrangement, interesting <laughs> arrangement. <laughs> Any cane farmers in tonight? Yeah. Is anyone... Is this the layoff period? (laughs) Sounds more like the lay-on period. (laughs) It's just the lay period. (laughs) So Olive uh, uh, hangs around with Rue and Barney used to uh, go with Nancy. But the dynamic has changed because since last summer, Nancy has gotten married. So she's out. No longer part of the arrangement. See you, Nancy. (laughs) So Olive has invited her friend and waitress colleague, Pearl, to be the new companion for Barney. So Pearl's sort of auditioning to be the new Nancy. Uh, but Pearl is a bit more proper and prudish than the others, so she's unsure if she actually wants to, wants to be part of it. She keeps saying that she's just there for a visit. 
Just in case it doesn't work out. We know what that means. <laughs> Nancy, just, you old dog. I'm just here for a five-month visit. <laughs> Pearl. Pearl, you old dog. Uh, Pearl's suitcase full of stuff is still packed in at the bottom of the stairs. And she says she won't take it up until she's sure about the arrangement. So yeah. she's, she's keeping her cards close to her chest. Olive has spent months uh, talking up how fun the summers are. And when she comes downstairs and shows Pearl... The new one, a photo of Barney, Rue, Nancy and Olive drunk at an amusement park. It's Luna Park the year before. Pearl isn't impressed with the group or her new match saying, no one will ever touch me in public like that. <laughs> and I've got no idea what he's doing in that photo, but <laughs> <laughs> sounds pretty sus. And Olive keeps saying that Nancy has made a big mistake ruining the arrangement by getting married. She's like, she'll regret it. She'll absolutely regret it. A marriage is sort of an arrangement in itself, right? She's just got a different arrangement now. Yeah, yeah. That's what my marriage is five months on, seven months on. <laughs> <laughs> and just checking, I am on. Sorry, everyone. I am still on right now. <laughs> Give it a few days. <laughs> so Pearl's looking at the photo of Barney and she's like, that man needs to be, hello, taken in hand. <laughs> so I just realised you were there giving you a bit of FaceTime. That's going to be very confusing to those listening at home. Oh. You, you did that in the middle of a sentence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was sort of like a Vegas crooner. <laughs> <laughs> New York, New Hello, and uh, <laughs> if yeah, I like, could uh, make it there, good to see you. I'll make it <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> well, they do call it Briz Vegas. They do. And <laughs> <laughs> it is a pleasure to no be here. No one says that anymore. Brisneyland, I've heard as well. All of those feel appropriate. Really? Brisneyland? Mm. I love it. Ooh, ooh la la. <laughs> so, Pearl's being pretty scathing of the whole thing and says she doesn't consider the arrangement they've got proper like a marriage. See, she's widowed and has an 18-year-old daughter that she keeps talking about. So, she, so despite being there for the arrangement, she's not keen on the arrangement. <laughs> she looks at the photo of Nancy's wedding and says she doesn't want to get involved with anything cheap like this but Olive tells her to stop playing the innocent mother and says you think I haven't sized that up against what other women have I laugh at them every time they try to tell me even waiting for Rue to get back is more exciting than anything they've got so Olive's she's, she loves it and when they're all together the, the way the two men walk into a pub without a care in the world and make the city blokes silent just with their presence really, really impresses her she says they walk in like kings that's hot stuff. <laughs> That's hot. Do you guys ever get that when you walk into a, into a bar? Silence all the city folk? <laughs> oh, Goxie, I'm sure it would, yeah. Not, not yet, but you ne- never say never, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Always a chance. Now, the way your, the way your, way your favourite character, Bubba, fits into all of this... She's the neighbour over the back and has known the boys from Queensland since she was six years old, always dropping by every summer, and they're like uncles to her. Bubba, at the start of the play, is tying ribbons to large candy canes and when Pearl asks what they're for, she's a bit embarrassed to explain that the men used to bring her a candy cane each year they came down, even after she was 15. So she started buying them candy canes uh, and then they quickly realised that she's too old for candy and uh, then they just start bringing her other presents like perfume and shit. Uh, that's, hey. ki- that's kind of Bubba in a nutshell though. She's 22 but they still treat her like a child. Right, I was going to say, are you going to edit out any of the details of this retelling? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm still on page one. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Barney and Rue arrive and the women have to hide uh, the beers that they've poured they've poured because they don't want the men to think they've started without them. And Barney enters carrying Emma, who's Olive's mother and the owner of the house. So it's Olive's mum's place. <laughs> the arrangement is at her mum's house. Are you following this at all? Are you following? Yeah. <laughs> yes! You get it right, you get it. This I'm lost. Hell. Emma, who, Emma's a new character, isn't Yes, it? Emma's this, uh, the old lady who owns the house. Yeah. yeah. Come on, yeah. Matt. Come on, keep up. Are you guys following this? you following this? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Great. Basically, there's an arrangement going on. They bang every oh, summer, man. whatever. 1955's <laughs> favourite play. Yes, exactly. They love it. So, uh, Emma gets carried in over Barney's shoulder. She's the mother. Uh, they've got a love-hate relationship with Emma. She's a bit cantankerous. But she likes Barney. She loves a bit of, uh, of dosh. They're always, she's always getting money out of them. Barney walks in with Emma over his shoulder and says, this is a bit of fun, where's the garbage bin? <laughs> The joke there being that he's going to put this old woman in a bin. That's funny. Bit of fun. That is funny. Oh, that's, it feels like there's a few quite American terms so far for a, a quintessentially Australian play. Garbage instead of rubbish. Candy, candy instead of lolly cane. No, that we do. <laughs> we say lolly cane, yeah, maybe. So let's meet Rue and Barney now. Rue is uh, bigger and slightly older of the two. At 41 is the leader of the pair. Do you want to be Rue, Goxie? Sure. <laughs> uh, one time, uh, one of the women called uh, Rue Kangaroo, thinking that's what it was short for, <laughs> but he laughed and revealed his, his real name is actually Reuben. That's where that comes from. Yeah, I'd from. go with Rue if I was a Rue. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with Bin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bin. <laughs> I think I'd go with Kangarooben. But anyway. <laughs> uh, then there's Barney. Matt, do you want to be a Barney? Sure. We're gonna you said that you were happy with Barney as a pretty Aussie name. I, I don't know any Barneys. Well, the Barneys I know are all American. Barney Gumble, Barney Rubble, Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> are they the big three Barneys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're all uh, close friends of yours as well. Oh, no, they? there's one Aussie, Bar Barney Banana Ice Cream. Barnaby Joyce. Oh, that's a different name, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but it's close, it's close. Wait, is B his middle initial? I did not know that. Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, that's fine. See, this is why I don't touch politics. <laughs> You'll never believe what the B stands for. It's Barney. It's Barney, Barney Joyce. Double Barney. So, Barney, he's younger, he's 40, he's smaller of the men. Uh, he's a funny, uh, charming guy, a real ladies' man. That's why I see a new Matt Stewart. Just, I'm just casting this play. Who wants to be Bubba? You want to be Bubba? Okay. <laughs> Great. So the men turn up. They're in a jovial manner, bringing with them their usual haul of gifts, including, and this is important, a Cupid doll. A little plastic doll originally uh, based on a comic book strip. Every summer, the guys bring with them a doll for the ladies, which they add to the collection. So that's why this is the summer of the 17th doll. Uh, and they, they look at the crowd and <laughs> wink as they say that. <laughs> This is, there's, some, there's a lot of stuff here. Might be just a different time stuff, but kind of a bit off. <laughs> hey, I'm here to have sex with you. Here's a child's Here's toy. Here's a child's toy. <laughs> I don't know how you're doing it, but <laughs> it works for me. Uh, so when Barney meets uptight Pearl, 
uh, which is a nickname I've given her, um, <laughs> was his possible new summer girlfriend. Pearl is quite cold and introduces herself as Mrs. Cunningham. Emma, the older woman, laughs at how awkward it is and heads for the kitchen. <laughs> Into the bin. <laughs> Barney's not sure if this is going to work. Honestly, no one is. Uh, he also confesses to Olive that him and Rue have had an awful season on the cane fields up in Queensland. Especially Rue, who's usually the leader of their gang. He's usually the, the man in charge. First up, Rue strained his back, you've got to see. Then he fired one of their regular workers, Tony Marino. Mm. <laughs> Which you don't have to worry about him, it's just a fun name to say. <laughs> and replaced him with a younger and fitter guy called Johnny Dowd. Is that Aussie enough for you? Johnny Dowd. No, not really, anyway. Picture now, him riding a Harley <laughs> down Route 401, I don't know. An American road. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, usually Rue was in charge because he's the biggest and the best worker. But Johnny Dowd was working even quicker and made Rue feel like a bit of a washed-up old man. Oh, no. They developed a bit of a rivalry and due to his back being shot, one day Rue fell to his knees whilst cutting and Johnny Dowd started laughing at him. What a dog. <laughs> Taking extreme offence at the dog, Rue... St <laughs> Sorry, I'm anti-Johnny, I'm poor Rue here. He started a punch-on with him and the other workers had to break it up. Then Rue cracked the shits, walked away and disappeared for two months. And, Bar and Barney, his mate, didn't see Rue again until they... Uh, met at the airport to fly down to Melbourne. So Olive is sh shocked that Barney didn't walk out with his old mate. But Barney says he's never seen Ruby in the wrong before. But he kind of regrets not walking out with him. There's a bit of tension between the two men. And uh, Rue feels very let down by Barney. So sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but because he hasn't worked for two months, Rue has spent his summer layoff money. Usually they save up big and then they party for five months. But he's got no money. He's usually the sensible one who bails out Barney who blows all his drinking money. But Rue is broke. Barney admits to Olive that he made the situation worse when he told Rue that uh, when, he, when he left, the boys made Johnny, the dog, the gang leader, and that Johnny did a really great job. <laughs> I don't know. You know that guy that laughed at you? Well, he replaced you, and he was way better than you. Anyway, I'm your best friend. <laughs> so Rue comes in. And tells Olive that he'll have to get a job in Melbourne over the summer to make ends meet. And everyone's like, you can't get a job, it's the layoff. You're on holidays, but... Gotta eat, am I right? Mm. Tell me I'm wrong. Is it, so not you, wrong. he's not allowed to work during the layoff? Or it's only because no, they want to bone yeah, him wanna, all the yeah, time? Yeah, <laughs> they want 24-7 wall-to-wall boning. Yeah. He, uh, he blew all his drinking money. Luckily he didn't drink all his blowing money. <laughs> <laughs> That's been, that was ticking around for a minute there. You mean, you mean a little play on words by yeah. now. See, what I thought was, that doesn't work, I won't say it. Uh, but it just, I, I, it was one of those things that it was going to keep running around in there until I got it out. So now it's yours to deal with. <laughs> Have you, you, I feel like you're writing your own play in your head over there. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. People will be swimming to this. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Catching jet skis. <laughs> All right, well, we cut to the next morning. The group have had a fair bit to drink the night before. Olive is getting dressed for work, so she's allowed to work. She's allowed to work. She's a waitress at a bar. And Rue, and she tells Rue that Pearl didn't, this is the uptight one, didn't love uh, Barney getting drunk and certainly didn't appreciate him knocking on her door in the middle of the night. Ooh. 
She's like, fuck off. <laughs> They're staying in separate bedrooms. She did not let him in. Barney says, I have no recollection of doing that at all. He slept on the sofa. I was just trying to give you a toy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I've got a little little baby dress up for you. You want to wear a, b- a big nappy? That's is that what we're is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. I think you've gone a little off the path. <laughs> <laughs> I've extrapolated, sure, but yeah. it's between the lines, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> The Matt Stewart play is between the lines, that's for sure. Uh, Barney comes in and Rue hands him photos of Nancy, his ex-girlfriend's wedding that someone sent over. But he uh, only glances at them and tries to change the subject by saying, she must be crazy, and then throws them away. And I think he says, can't believe she married that bookworm. Oh, hang on, hang on. Extremely offensive. Extremely offensive. And I'm like, that bookworm sounds hot. I want to hear more about him. Where's his play? Uh, when Rue says he's going to get a job Barney can't believe it and says you must be joking you can't work in the layoff everyone's saying this and Barney offers to give him some money and he uh, Rue says no he's too proud and Barney says accuses him of being too proud to take it and says you're still mad at me because I didn't walk out with you after Johnny Dowd was a dog and uh, (laughs) Rue walks away again (laughs) he disappears upstairs and Olive says to Barney you better butter, butter up uptight, Pearl. She's going to leave. She's not liking the situation. And Pearl comes in and Barney's... He doesn't even seem too interested. He plays a bit uh, too cool for school. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to leave, are you? I don't care. Whatever. And uh, she's trying to pick him apart by saying, oh, I didn't know you had some de facto wives. And he says, oh, I don't have any de facto wives. I just have children in three different states. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real ladies' man. Matt Stewart. It's a technicality. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The children, they're from the relationships, not the relationships, right? No, they're from the relationship. Just not sure about where this is going. But he's got, he's got a great way of explaining what's happened. He says, look, I was only 18 and then I, had, I got two girls pregnant at the same time. And I said... That's to hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said it couldn't be done. He found out they're both pregnant and he goes, look, if I marry one, it'll make the other one upset. So you two work it out amongst yourselves. They had a punch on. (laughs) He says, the kids are now 18 and they're still working it out. Then he winks at her. (laughs) So, so yeah. But he insists the partners are now settled with other men. He's like, I'm the only one who suffered. I paid child support. That's why I started working in the cane field, so I could send them some money. And she's like, well, you sound like you're a pretty shit dad. (laughs) But he's try- he talks her around, and this is his line. He says, um, you've got to understand me. Understand a fella might have done a bit of chasing around. Not because he's after all the loving he can get, but because he's got a lo- lot of loving he can give. Mm. <laughs> Two at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, and Pearl decides to stay off that line. And she says to Barney, would you mind taking my bags upstairs? And she says, but don't jump to any conclusions. <laughs> The bags are full of dingers. <laughs> <laughs> There's a full, full bag, and that's that's the end. Of, that's the first half of the play. Is it, am I picturing like on the stage they've built 
a second floor? Because you keep saying they go upstairs. They go up, no, you can't see upstairs, but you can see the front veranda, you can see the living room and a bit, a bit of the, out the back. Is that normal to play? You'd build like a whole set? <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever been to the theatre? Yeah. No. Now what they do is they just go, I'm going up the stairs. <laughs> That's and then they're, they're, they're behind you. Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, you're cultured. You get it. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So that's, that's the first half of the play, right? And I can't stress this enough. This was apparently the first time that they used Aussie language in the theatre, in Aussie theatre. And just to bring that uh, alive, before you very ask tonight, I thought we could get our two characters tonight to read out <laughs> a, a bit of dialogue, if you don't mind. Um, you never thought there'd be reading involved, yeah. Dave. Oh. I believe, Matt, did I cast you as Barney? Yes. And <clears throat> Goxie, I've cast you as Rue. So I've got... They're, they're not all one scene together. I'll give the context for each line, just to show you the kind of Aussie dialogue they're using uh, in the play tonight. And, so and do you need me to do an Australian accent for it? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, the Aussier, the better. Okay. Uh, Goxie, good this luck. This is your moment. You've, your whole life is for this. I normally talk with a pretty neutral accent, but I'll, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my Australian one for you tonight, Dave. Uh, so our first line from, uh, from Matt, a.k.a. Okay, Barney, uh, is when Barney tells Olive that Rue is broke. This is what he says. <clears throat> Think I'd joke about a thing like that? <laughs> Hasn't got a bean. I had to buy his plane ticket down. Now, don't go running up to him. He's chock-a-block. Better hear it all from me. Incredible stuff. Wow. Wow. Hang on, that's just Matt's voice, but one octave deeper. <laughs> You've got the part. All right, now we're going to hear from Rue. Second line is when Rue admits to Olive later on that it's true, he's broke and he needs a job. Olive, I am broke. <laughs> Beautiful. Is that a type? Don't your understand. That's a typo. <laughs> don't worry about I that. I think it's meant to be don't you understand. Anyway, don't your understand. <laughs> I am flat, stony, stinking broke. I haven't got a brass razoo. <laughs> They're the best razoo. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Through <laughs> there. Is, oh, is, that, is brass razoo an Aussie term? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, next up we have Put Barney. Put it on the flag. <laughs> I'd salute that. <laughs> Replace the Union Jack with one brass razoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up we have Barney talking to Pearl about having multiple children to different women, none of whom he's married. She accuses him of being a no-hoper and this is what he says. Do you have a, a dialect or a, a time or anything you want me to... Uh, 1953. Yep, yep. Uh, <clears throat> December <laughs> in a lounge room <clears throat> gotcha <clears throat> not where women are concerned don't you believe it ever since I was a kid had me thrashing around like an excited eel in a basket <laughs> Lola you old dog 
It sounds like that. Who's that rugby union guy who says the lines? Yeah. <laughs> Honey badger, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's good. That's a bit badgerish. Excited eel in a basket. Threshing round like an excited eel in the basket. And that's him talking about his balls. It's <laughs> <laughs> a <The> badger. <laughs> Not He's fine. selling your jocks, yeah. <laughs> Uh, finally, we have a bit later in the play when Rue confronts his mate Barney about something. Take it away, Rue. Well, you're going to talk. Not them lies and dodges and them lies of yours. For once, we'll have it on the map, fair dinkum. <laughs> Better late than flame and never. <laughs> <laughs> you sure this isn't Alf Stewart from Home and Away? <laughs> I think Alf is very influenced by the doll. That's, that's very... He was probably 20 when this was <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for that. Um, now you've got a bit of a feel for the play, I think we can move on with, uh, with, with proceedings. Act 2 opens a few days later on a very hot uh, New Year's Eve. <laughs> That's for can you. Can we give it away? Absolutely. We're back to Vegas mode. That's <laughs> Normally it'd be like a sweaty handkerchief, but <laughs> I'm giving you a sweaty yeah. A4 piece of paper. <laughs> So it's New Year's Eve, a couple of days later, Pearl's not settled in and is still staying. Actually, Pearl has settled in. Don't know why I've written that. Pearl's settled in a bit and uh, she's still staying. Rue has got a job at the local paint shop. That's what he's doing now. Pearl's knitting. Barney's writing a letter. They sit in silence and it's about the shittest New Year's Eve you can imagine. <laughs> Pearl talks about how all of uh, Olive's stories about how much fun they have over the summer. It's actually pretty boring around here. They're doing nothing. Barney suggests that they go to the beach and they could still make it by midnight, but no one is interested, so it's going to be boring. The only one going out is their neighbour, Bubba, who drops by on her way to a party at the Morrisons. Bubba says the others can still come if they want, and Pearl's like, yeah, let's go to the Morrisons, until the others are like, that's Nancy's cousin, we're not going there. We hate Nancy, man. It's a bit awkward. And Nancy, that's just because she got married. Yeah, got married to someone who's not part of the arrangement. That's pretty good, remember that bit? Wow, you're learning. I think I'm following now. <laughs> Rue uh, is an old man who's passed his cane field bed. Yes. Johnny's the bloody dog. dog. <laughs> He's the dog who usurped him as the yeah. alpha in the cane field. Johnny Doggo Dow. Pearl's pretending that she doesn't, but she is keen to bone. <laughs> uh, then you got Barney, who just, he, like Johnny, bit of a dog. He also dogged Rue. But he's still back to bone. <laughs> Knocking on doors, trying to give people toys. <laughs> uh, for everyone at home, Matt is winking at me. <laughs> and it was, it was a different sexy. Time. It was a different time. Couldn't get away with that anymore. With good reason. <laughs> Barney uh, tells Rue that uh, he met up with some of the other cane-cutting boys when Rue was at, w at work at the paint shop. He's like, I didn't even know they were in Melbourne. I just ran into them at the famous Young and Jackson Hotel, Matt. Oh, shit. Where we recently filmed an episode of our web series. Yeah, Cl the famous painting Chloe is there. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we had a beer with Chloe. You pr do you have culture up here? In, um, <laughs> in Melbourne, we've got works of art in our bars. Going, I don't whatever. know what you got here. Buddy. Agro. Agro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you met you met the aggro co-host recently, Ranger Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, your life, mate. Yeah. I, I feel everything from now is just going to be disappointing. 
So the boys are in town and Barney's like, let's hang out with the boys, come out for a drink. And Rue's like, okay, until he finds out that that doggo dowel, Johnny, is also in town. Not Johnny. Not Johnny. He's like, I don't want to have anything to do with him. And he, he cracks it even more, more when Barney's like, oh, they're going to go uh, picking some grapes up at the Murray next week. We could, we could go do that. And Rue's like, what about the layoff? And he's like, oh, it's not the same this year, is it? Let's go. And Rue cracks it because he's like, Olive's been waiting for us all year. This is the highlight of a year. We can't leave. So they're not on the same page anymore, these two guys. Olive and Pearl come back into the living room and Barney begins pouring beers for everyone. And everyone relaxes a bit and everyone gets on until Barney raises the toast to happy days and glamorous nights. Pearl starts to drink after she hears happy days, but when he says glamorous nights... She laughs so hard she chokes on her beer and it goes all over the living room. <laughs> and she goes, glamorous? There's nothing glamorous about what we're doing. And Olive starts to cry and fireworks start. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fallen apart. The dream, the dream. It's fallen apart before their very eyes. What, what, I don't know much about wineries. What's the grape-picking region of the Murray? Is that a real thing? Yeah. Uh, Andrew Peace is a wine up there. Okay, fucking hell. <laughs> Thought I was going to stump him with that. Yeah. Pull that out of nowhere. And Table grapes. Table grapes. Are you familiar with the work of Mr. Andrew Peace? <laughs> I believe there's a beer. A beer. That's a beer. Uh, it's a wine that my mum likes. She's from Swan Hill. Before we get started, should we get some grapes for the table? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> table grapes. I'll head up to the Murray and yeah. get some. Thank you so much. All right. We cut to another scene. A few days later, Johnny's asleep on the couch. He's covered in paint. Not Johnny. Rue is asleep on the oh. couch. Don't, Johnny has broken into the house, fallen asleep on the couch. It's confusing. It'll, no, Rue's asleep on the couch after a long day. And then Barney rocks up, absolutely wasted out of his mind. And he's, he wakes up Rue on the couch and says, I've brought someone to see you. Guess who it is? Johnny the dog Dowd. Oh, boo. Rue is furious. He's like, Rue. I don't, don't want to see... <laughs> Rue. He doesn't want to see the dog O'Dowd. He doesn't want to see him at all. But he's like, now I'm on the back foot. I've got to see him. I can't... I'll look like a wuss if I don't say hi. So Johnny comes in and Rue, Barney's like, shake his hand. And Rue's like, all right. Gives him the most piss-weak handshake you've ever seen. Gives him the dead fish. Johnny says, I'm sorry I laughed at you for falling over. <laughs> but then he adds... But it was pretty funny. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't sound that sorry to me. <laughs> and then Barney's like, what do you say we all go to the races tomorrow? You want to come, Rue? You can come hang out with the boys. And Rue, again, is on the back foot. He doesn't want to go, but now he, you know, he doesn't want to say no in front of Johnny. So he goes, yeah, okay, I'll come to the races. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Then he goes, I've got to go have a shower now. And he goes upstairs. And then Johnny and Barney are like, oh, geez, that went pretty well. Barney says to Johnny... It would be less awkward if, if it's not just men, if we, if we bring the ladies along. And Johnny's like, okay, well, you two have girlfriends. Who's going to come with me? And then Barney says, I've got a great idea. You're a young guy. You're only 25. Got just, just a lady for you. He calls in Pearl, his girlfriend. He says, Pearlie, come on in here. And he goes, that 18-year-old daughter of yours, would she like to I come I knew to it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was going somewhere like this. He's, he says, starting to pimp out daughters. Yeah, he says... Bring her along to the races. She can uh, hang out with Johnny. And Pearl's like, absolutely fucking never. <laughs> she cracks it harder than she has ever in the, in the plan. She goes upstairs basically crying. Then Barney's like, don't worry, I've got another idea. 
Bubba, come in here. The na- uh, neighbour out the back. Would you like to... Bubba, go on a date with this guy, Johnny? And she's like, yeah, right. <laughs> and Johnny's... Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing nothing. But Johnny's like, oh, no pressure. Uh, I w- I'll, uh, I'll ask you myself. Barney, leave the room. And then he says, do you actually want to come with me? And she says, yeah. And he's like, okay, great. So they're on. That's not what she would have said, though, is it? She would have said... What do I look like, a flaming drunk? Of course I'm. <laughs> Didgeridoo, let's have a go. So it's all settled. Johnny's like, wow, that went better than expected. Anyway, see you later. Then Rue comes back downstairs from his shower. And uh, he's furious ready for Barney making him agree to shake Johnny Dog Dowd's hand. <laughs> and he says to me, he says to him, you... He says, so he says to me, <laughs> I very much see myself as part of this club. <laughs> He says to Barney, okay, me. He says, you, you brought Dow to see me looking like a clown, like some stupid got-up parrot, a galah. <laughs> he's already pissed, but when he, he finds out that uh, he's volunteered Bubba to go with Johnny, Rue is uncontrollably angry. Accusing Rue of acting, like Matt said, like a pimp for their, basically their goddaughter. The girl they've known since she was five. He accuse of, accuses Barney of pandering to Dowd because he's now the best sugarcane harvester. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, that's what you've got to do with the best sugarcane harvester. He's been usurped as a sugarcane harvester and a sugar daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got a new sugar daddy. <laughs> and the two start to have a bit of a blue. They actually start punching on. Olive runs in to break it up. She says, oh, it's silly that you two are men are fighting over just one bad season. But with that, Rue bends Barney's arm behind his back and forces him to admit the truth. He says, tell her. Tell her the truth. And the truth is that Rue never hurt his back. He wasn't injured at all. Johnny was just the better man on the cane-cutting field and that's why Rue walked out out of embarrassment. And now he says he hasn't even been mad enough to tell the truth. But now he's going to tell a few home truths. Like the fact that Barney isn't what he used to be cracked up to either. Huh? Can you say that again? (laughs) 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 Look, I will, but I also want to make a note, Matt. If you ever see a play, you can't ask them to repeat (laughs) it. Sorry, I missed that. Rewind. He says Barney isn't the man that he used to be either. He says some women are laughing at you, the former ladies' man, after spending the night with you. That's what he says. <laughs> women are laughing about which is pretty funny to uh, spend the night with a man for a joke. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. good stuff. He's got a real funny Gosh cock and up. balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, look at them. They're not what they used to be, I'll tell you that. He also says, you weren't even good enough to hang on to Nancy. Deep cut, absolutely deep cut. That's like Nancy in the the crossfire there as well. Even Nancy. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, Nance. Uh, With this, Barney grabs the vase, which has some of the uh, Cupid dolls in it on the mantelpiece, and he goes to hit Rue with the vase. But Rue intercepts it, and it smashes all over the floor. The dolls symbolically go flying. So they have to do this on stage every night. That would be that'd be 
You'd think you could fuck that up, right? <laughs> How do you smash a vase to make sure that all the dolls go flying? <laughs> Just something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you put pyrotechnics in there or something, yeah. they explode up, I don't know. Oh, the, the local vase shop would be making a killing, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the poster goes Good up times. for Summer of the 17th Doll. They're like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we get to the final scene. It's the next morning. When Rue wakes up and comes downstairs, all 17 dolls, which is too many dolls, <laughs> and the other gifts that he and Barney have uh, brought down during the layoff years have been cleaned up. Olive explains that she started cleaning and just couldn't stop. A lot of gifts simply fell apart and now the room is startlingly bare, revealing it to be the pretty crappy lounge room that it's always been. Barney went out after the fight and still hasn't come back. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Pearl is dressed in black again (laughs) and she's waiting for a taxi. She asks Olive when Barney will return but uh, tells her that she thinks that Olive... She, sorry, she says, I don't think you even know Barney at all, even after all these, all these years. In fact, nothing in the house is as you described it to me over the years. Dave, in a, I should tell you this, in an actual play, you can't just redo the lines when you fumble them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You hurt me. <laughs> you hurt me, you... And that's why you're not on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> you dog. You're the doggo doubt incarnate. Yeah. No, take it back. <laughs> Not the doggo down. <laughs> but, but, so she tells um, Olive, this, is, this place is nothing like you described it. It's not the dream house that you told me it was. But Pearl tells her she's only ever spoken the gospel truth and that it's different this year. And if that's the case, she's the last one that should be squealing about it. Pearl asks if she's being blamed for, for what's happened here. And Olive says, if we have to point the finger, <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's all your fault. Can't believe it, Pearl. Bloody Pearl. Bloody Pearl. Uh, Barney then uh, sheepishly comes back in after being out all night. Uh, He admits to Pearl that she's leaving for the same reason Nancy did because he couldn't offer her what she wanted or needed. Pearl admits she was looking for a marriage, but when he asked her to bring her daughter to the races, her daughter to the races, she realised that that could never happen. Coxie, who are you blaming so far? Who's, who's to blame? Who you po- if you're pointing the finger, are you pointing at Pearl or something else? Is it Pearl? Else? Pearly. Pearl, yeah. It is Pearl? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All the evidence is clear. <laughs> Pearl takes off. Uh, she actually offers that an apology to Olive for not being the right type. So she, she says sorry. Uh, finally, Rue comes downstairs and speaks alone to Olive's mother, Emma, who's the old woman. Remember Emma from the start? The woman who belongs in the garbage bin. <laughs> Metaphorically. Metaphorically, <laughs> that's right. Well, she's watched the couples for the past 17 summers and makes Rue see sense of what's happened. He can't grip what's different now and who's to blame for the mess they're in. Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> but Emma tells him, no, no one's to blame. They're just too old for the layoff season now. Nancy saw that and got out whilst things were good and she went and got married. And Rue's like, old? I'm not old. You're old. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, smoke. How, old, how old are these people? Yeah. He's about 40. Emma's like 70. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> but then he thinks about it for a second and he realises that Emma is right. 
Uh, Barney comes in and tells Rue that him and the other boys are going to go great picking on the Murray River and that he should join them. But Rue tells him he's not leaving Melbourne. Not now and not ever. <sighs> he's not going back to the cane season. He's done with it all and he's staying with Olive. And when Olive comes in with the doll, she's rescued the most recent doll, she's confused when he explains that only Barney is leaving. In fact, he says, Will you marry me? <sighs> oh. Wow. She says, no. (laughs) Brutal. She yells, I want what I I had before. She starts pounding on his chest saying, give me back what you've taken. And then she runs off. Now, what did he take? Because I don't think you mentioned that. (laughs) Has he stolen some of her things? She is still hanging on to the layoff lifestyle. Yeah, and so now he's saying, we could be married like a normal couple. She's like, no, I don't want that. Right. I, if I'm pointing the finger, it's at Barney. He feels like the absolute dog of the, really? of the whole thing to what me. What about Pearl? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Pearl. Wait, I'm Barney. Yeah, sorry, dog. Damn it. <laughs> I put up a mirror and I don't like what I see. <laughs> Uh, Emma comes in, that's the the garbage woman, and uh, (laughs) explains to Rue, there's nothing you can do for her now except to clear out and never come back again. Layoffs in this house, layoffs in this house are finished. And A-offs as well, (laughs) both are. And she says, it's over for all of you. And Barney comes in and tries to comfort Rue, saying they can make a fresh start together somewhere. They don't have to go and work for the the dog Dow, they can do their own thing. But Rue... Furious grabs the, the, later, the last Cupid doll and starts to smash it on the piano until it's in tatters. He then sits down on the piano stool and this is the final line of A Summer of a Seventeenth Doll. The final line is Barney putting his arm around Rue's shoulder and saying, come on, Rue, come on, boy. Oh, that's hot. That's a hot finish. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, they slowly leave the house for the last time and the curtain falls. The... And uh. we did it. We did it. What a journey. Beautiful journey. I, what a I, journey. Oh, what a journey. I've changed my mind. I think Rue's the dog. R- okay. Because uh-huh. he's the one. He couldn't handle it that someone was better than him at his job, so he took a silk for two months. Yeah, that's That bad. started it all. He yeah. should have been like, sweet, I can like take it easy. <laughs> I'm assuming they're getting paid the same, or are they getting paid per cane? Is that what you call them? Have you got a, got a PPC system up here? Paper <laughs> okay? Because if that's the case, if it's costing him money, then maybe you've got a, some right to be No, it's all just pride. It's all pride. Yeah, I know. He's the big man. Well, you know. Hey, the big I see myself in Rue, you know. <laughs> a, a big man. The bigger the man, the harder the fall. you just got to get used to that Rue. He'd be dead now, but if he was still here today, <laughs> if, if he was still, still here today, dead I would say... still need advice. That's mm. true. <laughs> I love that Pirates of the Caribbean movie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we score it out of five, speaking of movies, uh, they they actually made a film adaptation of this in 1959, uh, but it was made by Hollywood. Still set in Australia, but they changed the place setting from Melbourne to Sydney, and they altered the ending to make it a happy ending. Mm Typical Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) They cut out a lot of the Australianisms, uh, but they did pass some pretty Aussie actors, I think you'll agree. Um, They had Ernest Borgnine from McHale's (laughs) Navy, who played Rue with an American accent. 
and the most Aussie woman herself playing Pearl, Angela Lansbury from Murder, <laughs> She Wrote. <laughs> Two absolute fair dinkum Aussies there. As well as a happy ending, apparently they added a scene where... Um, didn't say her accent. Oh, yeah, I've watched it. It's on YouTube. You can w I've watched bits of it, and her accent is horrific. I've been trying to read it too, but it's the writing so small, <laughs> Goxie. Your eyes yeah. are great. Yeah. Uh, the, the other scene, they Gox add a scene Goxie, where... Goxie, your eyes are great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they add a scene where Rue takes part in a wrestling match at Luna Park, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Anyway, so that's the movie you can watch on YouTube if you, if you, if you feel like it. But before we go, there's only thing one, left, one thing left to do, Goxie and Matt. That's just give it a score out of five. Five being the, give it the best. Four brass razus. <laughs> Four brass razus. Big on the brass razu rating. Yeah, okay. I don't give out brass razus <laughs> willy nilly. <laughs> so four, four. Matt, how many? I think in the end, I brought. I, I liked how it all came together in the end. None of the pedophilia ended up happening, <laughs> which I, I liked, and that that was a. Uh, I think you made your own play in your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really did. I was hating this play in my head, but this one, the one you were doing, I I reckon. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say three point seven five brass razus. Okay, you're really breaking down your razus there. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 4.5 Brazil. It's a really good play. It's really good if you read this. So yeah, I definitely encourage people to check it out. Uh, check it out. That's a pretty, ho pretty high-scoring play. What did you think of it, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight? Give me a round of applause if you gave it one. 2.25 stars. Let's start from the beginning. You say, <laughs> like, like giving uh, a live crowd to score it. Give me a round of applause for one, two. Okay, three. A little bit. Four. I think four's got five. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Sound, sounds like no one here would swim to it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe catch a city cat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you've given it a four out of five. Cop that. Keeping in mind the playwright is still alive. Uh, and he, he's here tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 101. Comes out in the wheelchair. <laughs> Uh, before we go, um, Matt, you're doing a show in here right after this. Oh, yeah. Are there any tickets left for it, Jake? <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to see another one of these podcasts. Don't worry, I'm getting rid of Goxie. But um, <laughs> Dave, Dave will be on. Um, and that's on in like half an hour. And there's a couple of tickets left if you're keen to you know, continue missing out on the most beautiful day I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> in this dungeon here. And then uh, later on tonight, Dave and I are doing a, a stand-up show, uh, which we have titled The Matt Stewart Comedy Hour. And um, There was a 100% consensus on that title. <laughs> That's on at 8.30. And then, Goxie, you're closing out this... This is a whole yeah. festival. This is day 22 or something of a festival. Tonight's the big final party and Goxie's bringing it home. What's your show, Goxie? It's karaoke. <laughs> 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 it's a well-written show. <laughs> so if, we, you, if you're yeah. up for karaoke, what? That's 10? 10.30. Ten thirty. So, yeah. Ten thirty. Yeah, ten. 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 Okay. Stop making out. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've already heard that last time. He just right. wants to have the the top stats of the yeah, weekend. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first half hour is a private <laughs> private karaoke with me and Goxie. <laughs> so come down to ten thirty when I'm warmed up. Um, I'm genuinely going to come along. Goxie, how about for people at home? Where can they find you? Have you got anything coming up? Uh, not really. You've just finished. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow you on Facebook and yeah, Instagram. You're yeah, hilarious on social. Yeah, you're Go hilarious on I'm on Go most of the socials. I got kicked off of Twitter, but, you know. <laughs> oh, what'd you do? <laughs> Said something about Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> you Goxie can't the bad go there. Boy. Oh, no, bad boy. Mr. Bean apologist. 
Elon Musk or whoever owns it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for Steve joining me. Twitter. <laughs> Steve Twitter. Steve Twitter. The real dog. Yeah. He, he started it. Stephen Twitter. <laughs> Follow him online. Let's give a big round of applause for Matt thank Stewart you. and Aaron Cox. Uh, thank you to Good Chat Comedy Club. Thanks for coming out. Uh, and a, until next time, as I say every time, and that is Books Forever! Books forever. Bye, everyone! Woo! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.